Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, coming in your ear holes. With the first episode of the Going Back to the Basics series. So just covering this series with you guys. Um, I wanted to take this off-season time and go back to the basics of hunting. The core skills that we take for granted every year. Um, and this is going to be hugely beneficial for new hunters that are just getting in the game. And people that have been hunting for years and years and years. I know there's going to be something that you're going to be able to pick up in this series. And, and utilize um, and maybe make your season a little more simpler um, or make your, make you think about your setup a little bit more, make you think think about a lot of different topics I'm going to be covering. Um, some of the few topics I'm going to be covering is um, picking the right bow and setup, um, how to gain property, um, understanding difference between hunting public and private. Um, basic trail cam knowledge, how they work, how to set them up. Should you pass deer? How long should you stay in a sand? How long should you set? When should you go in in the morning? When should you leave? Um, holding more deer on your ground and making the shot happen. And gear and gimmicks. And this episode is the gear and gimmicks. So these are all going to be episodes in this series. What I'm going to do is we're going to break them down on a basic at first. Then we're going to go into an advanced. So we're going to do a basic getting property, then an advanced method of getting property. Then we're going to do basic trail cameras, advanced trail cameras. We're going to put these into each episode, try to keep it about that 50-minute mark, um, where if you're a beginner, um, you can listen to the beginning of it and really understand what we're talking about, get the core basics that you need. And then we're going to go into an advanced um, part of the, the topic where we dive real deep into it and get really into the nitty gritty 
and the small details that can make your you you your setup that much better. In this episode, we break down gear. Um, I do this with Garrett from Last Breath, really good friend of mine. We come on here and we talk about the basic gear you need for hunting. What we consider the absolute basic for gun hunting, absolute basic for bow hunting. Then we go into some gear that we think is not needed, but very, very nice to have. Um, that if you're thinking about getting into bow hunting or wanting to minimize your gear, um, some stuff that we think would be, is really good to have in your backpack, but is not needed. Um, we also talk about some things that we bought that really pissed us off that wasn't as good as we thought it was um, when we first got them. And then we also go into some gimmicks, um, gimmicks of stuff that we do not think that you need at all, that a lot of people in the industry will think that you need and will say that you need. Um, so it's a really cool episode, something to get your gears turned into whether you might think that maybe I need to take some things out of my backpack. Maybe I need to add some things. Um, but I really enjoyed talking with Garrett here and he's always super prepared. So this episode's really good. Uh, but getting to the people that make this possible, starting off with Exodus Outdoor Gear, guys. They just dropped their new rival cell camera. Now, if you did not catch the live, um, there is a full-blown podcast that they just released yesterday, um, uh, Tuesday the 17th, um, that covered the whole entire cam. But to break it down with you, it's a, it's a cellular camera that's very, very easy to set up. It's coming in at the price tag of $179, and you're getting that five-year warranty with this camera. And that's the Exodus Rival. So you're getting that five-year, no BS, manufacturer warranty. Anything happens in five years, that thing's covered. You're also getting that at Exodus Advantage, where if someone steals that camera, if a bear mauls it, if a, che a coon chews it up, you get one-time use, 50% off if that thing gets stolen. So you're actually getting a camera and a half plus that five-year warranty at $179 and you're able to use that Scout Tech app with that very, very cheap data plan where it's all under one camera. I scooped up a couple of these cameras during that sale that they had. Um, if you're interested in them, check them out at exodusoutdoorgear.com. There is going to be some few more ad reads I'm added in throughout the year. Um, was very blessed this year to, uh, to have some doors open up for me. Really excited to share it all with you guys. Um, this podcast has been a huge blessing for me, um, and it's finally starting to grow. And and uh, it's something that people are tuning into every week. So appreciate you being here. It means the world to me, guys, that you choose to tune into this podcast to get some whitetail knowledge, to get your whitetail fix. And I'm going to do that with this episode. So let's get into gear and gimmicks with Garrett from Last Breath. All right, well, we got my good, good friend, Garrett on how you doing tonight brother I'm all right sounds like I'm doing a little better than you a little oh, chilly today yeah huh? it's chilly out there tonight so um not in my normal uh podcast area so if you hear any background noise um just be prepared for that but uh wanted to have Garrett on and he just did recorded a podcast um, a couple weeks ago uh with basically a, a gimmick podcast I want to call it a gimmick podcast but like stuff and hunting that people do that they don't need to do or gear that they use that they maybe don't shouldn't use or don't work and i really enjoyed it it was a really good conversation um so i wanted to have you on for this topic um i almost had you on for calling deer um because it was just like man this guy's really good at doing that as well but you had this podcast 
wanted to give you some street cred for recording a good episode um, and have you on to, to talk about this. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, that podcast with Grant Oldenburg was was fun. And uh, just kind of like you said, it, it was going into that, we, we did the gimmick podcast and uh, he sent me his list and I kind of kept mine reserved. I knew that we were going to butt heads, but it was nice that you can have somebody on there that you can talk to and they're not going to like get really upset and get into a point where you can't have a conversation. So, yeah, you guys, both, I think, yeah, you guys both said your parts and you know, you're like, why well, disagree with this? And then once you said your part, he was like, yeah, I could see why, you know, someone might think that, or that might work for someone. Um, so you guys, you guys did a good job about keeping it open ended, but, uh, putting your opinion out there so people could maybe just think about it personally for themselves, you know, a little bit deeper. Um, oh yeah. And like, like today, I think, I think what we're going to talk about today, all of your listeners can get something from, but I, in my opinion, man, I, and I'm a, I'm a product of, of, of my, my own fault, I suppose, but with social media and even anything that you do today, you're, you're stuck inside like your own echo chamber from your smartphone to your Instagram, to your YouTube page, it's going to feed you what it thinks you want to see. So like, to ever get an objection or an opinion from something that you don't want to see is almost rare. When it happens, you're like caught on your heels and you're pissed off immediately. So like what I'm going to say today about some of the things that I think are duds in the industry, it's totally just my opinion and my experience. It might be the best thing for you. And that doesn't mean we can't be friends. It's just, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, like you said, this might um, wrinkle some, some noses up when we say some stuff, but the main thing is, is you know, I'm, I'm doing the basics here. Um, I feel like during the off season, that's a perfect time to go back to the basics for everybody. And then I got a lot of messages this year. They're new hunters. They're after a buck. You know, what would you do? This is my first year hunting, second year hunting, first year running cams. I got a picture of a giant. Um, and there's a lot more people out there than we think that are just getting into hunting. And like you said, if you're on Facebook, Instagram, or whatever, there's so much content out there. And a lot of the content is salesy, you know, and that's something that you guys mentioned on your podcast as well. Um, so they're trying to sell you something. They're saying, man, you need this. This is what you're going to need to kill a deer. Um, this is going to make it way easier out there. And I just want to kind of go, what do, what do you think the basics are? And, and then go into some stuff, be like, hey, people are going to say that you're going to need this, but you're not going to need it. Um, so I think this is going to be a fun conversation to have but go ahead and go into a quick introduction um and then we'll get right into it sure well again thanks for having me on my name is garrett bulkus i'm the owner of last breath media or uh, last breath tv if you find us on youtube and other places um, we've got several different outlets you can find some of our stuff obviously major social media platforms uh, our youtube has hundreds of, of hunts that are on there uh, showcasing cody himself um, as well as other people from the past and, uh, and me and my wife and people that are near and dear to me, um, been in the hunting industry, if you want to call it that for going on a dozen years now. Um, we originally had a different media creation company rebranded as last best breath, and we're just riding the wave. So, um, the way that I have it broke up today, Cody, is I have kind of like the must haves all-encompassing then i have a couple things for our bow hunters out there a couple things for our gun hunters and then i have uh, like you said just just some products that i think are, are total 
total duds waste of money and time that I learned the hard way from. Yeah, that's kind of how I have it off. I have one one area that just says pissed off on my notes, just products that piss me off that I used (laughs) (laughs) that I uh, wanted to shout out there. But that's, I have the same thing as you kind of, uh, you know, main things that I think someone would need. So we're going back to the basics here. And what this podcast is about is, you know, you're brand new out there. You're wanting to get into hunting. What is the basic stuff that I need? And I think it's going to be beneficial for people that have been hunting for so long is when we break down this list and they see kind of how basic it is and they look at all the other stuff they got, they're going to go, man, maybe I just got too much shit that I'm trying to manage and take care of, and that's hurting me um, when I could kind of simplize it a little bit. I know that's what I'm going to be thinking this whole time. Like, yeah, that's pretty much all you need to, to really get out there and get it done. So why don't we just break it off? You start off with what do you think your you know all-around basics for hunting are? So uh, hunting is, is an expensive passion, you know, and there's different degrees of it. I'm assuming a lot of your listeners are, are pretty diehards, right? So they're, they're vested or some of the new people that are getting into it. Um, some of the things that are just crazy expensive, I, I think you don't, you don't absolutely don't need. And, and so I'm talking about intense, intense amounts of money on either buying property or leases I'm going to start at what I believe is like the foundation of hunting. And so second to your weapon, which we'll get into that, but we're going, I think it's, it's really important to have like good clothing. Now, obviously uh, we've, we, me and you, Cody, both like Badlands and Badlands is really kind of a upper end brand. And I'm not going to say that you need to get that. I'm just saying when I started, I, I was like so many people that was just hunting in blue jeans with some camo stuff over it. I mean, literally I was buying my stuff at Walmart and I didn't realize how much my clothing affected my ability to hunt, my comfort while hunting. And then that turned into like my desire to want to go hunting. You know, today is an extreme example, negative wind chills in the negative thirties. And like, if, if we wanted to, Cody, me and you, we could probably layer up with our Badland stuff and some of the products that we've known to use and we could we could stomach it for like an evening hunt but 10 years ago I no chance in hell that I would have been out there so for me one of the staples that I think automatically don't pass go don't collect $200 is is start with buying some some decent stuff and it doesn't have to be Sitka doesn't have to be Kuyu or Badlands just if, if you can break that barrier from a truly entry-level piece of garment to that middle tier or a little bit upper, that's going to be something that you'll have for a long time. Depending on the warranty of the product, you'll have it forever. And, and gosh, just it changes, like I said, everything about hunting. So that's the number one thing for me. Gun or bow hunting is like just getting some decent camo and base layers. And it doesn't even need to be like, like I said, the crazy name brand. I don't know what you think about that. But yeah, that's, one that's one mine. thing that I had wrote down was camo question mark because I know that you guys had mentioned this in your podcast. I do believe that it it adds a factor of you you know whether you use a solid or uh, you know a digital pattern or a real tree pattern. I think having camo helps you out a little bit to get away. And another thing that I like when I was thinking of your podcast during this topic was. You can use the same, some of the same gear that you use during deer season for turkey hunting, because um, turkey hunting you need camo. 
So instead of buying, well, I'm going to buy, you know, my deer hunting stuff. I'm going to spend a little money on it. Um, and you're going to use it only for deer hunting. Well, now you have something nice that you can wear for turkey hunting and deer hunting since it's camo. But uh, one of the main reasons I like Badlands is it's tight. It's not tight fitting, but there's nothing that's loose on. And that's what I remember from the cheaper um, stuff that I had run in the past. The sleeves are looser. The arms are a little looser. The pants are a little saggier. Um, the crotch is a little saggier. And your harness, you know, is is folding up down there. Badlands seems to fit your body very well and, and have stretch where it needs to have stretch. Um, and then also the lifetime warranty. It's it's really it's really easy for me to spend that money when I know that I can get it replaced, no questions asked. Um, um, and that's something that the older I get, the the better the better I'm being off. It's just I'm just gonna buy something nice and just deal with the upfront cost. One thing that I am going to uh, probably end up getting is I'm probably going to get a pair of Krispies just because of your podcast and multiple people podcasts. And, um, cause I'm a, I have some decent boots, but I don't have good boots and I know having good boots, the way I hunt would really change, would help me out a ton. So you're probably going to be getting some text messages like, Hey dude, what, what's the best? What, what do I need to get here? <laughs> yeah. So well, go, yeah, hundred percent. That's I'll uh, we'll skip for real quick just to, to beat to the chase. One of my gimmicks on here is rubber boots. Yeah. Um, yeah. I knew that you, I, I like wearing rubber boots. Um, but I don't, I used to wear them just like you, like all the time. And then the thing that, that really made me realize was I'm not even kidding you. I went in and packed in a stand and hung it and I got ground scented by a possum. A possum <laughs> literally walked to where like, was just, you know, doing possum stuff out there walking along, hit my ground scent and froze and then backed away and then took off running. I'm like, that thing just ground scented me and I had rubber boots on. I'm like, I don't know how a possum smells compared to a deer, but it has to be worse. <laughs> so these things aren't <laughs> doing anything for me because <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to see any deer. Um, but I kind of went into like a low spot and like a little cattail marsh and hung up on the back side of it. And that's where that possum was working. More than likely, a deer wouldn't work down that way. Um, but when that possum hit that trail, I was like, man, I'm. you think it gives you a false sense that you're bulletproof. And I think that's the main problem. Um, not that I they agree. don't work, but it gives you that false sense that, well, I could get away with a little bit more than I should. And I think that's, you know, some of the other gimmicks I have on here. That's kind of what I think a lot of them do. They kind of think, ah, oh, man, I can get away with a little bit more when you actually can't. And they give you that false sense of security that you shouldn't have. Um, so we got camo out of the way. What's your, or not, you know, just, just clothing in general, whether it's camo, just something that's solid, that's going to keep you warm, keep you comfortable and keep you in the game longer. And, uh, you know, you're going to have to get that per your style of hunter. You know, if you, if you're going to be gun hunting and moving a lot, you probably don't want to get something that if you're going to be, you know, stationary static bow hunter out of a stand. So you're going to have to mm -hmm. think about that. Um, but what's your next on the list? So my next basic, just all around, doesn't matter for hunting, um, are I have it listed as like the small amenities. And so small amenities to me, these these are all items that are less than like $10 that um, 
I, I just started to pick up on as I, as I started to hunt and realized again, how much I use them and how much better of an experience I get while hunting with using them. So one of those is hand warmers. Um, it seems silly. It seems almost like, I can't believe you're saying this, but, um, sometimes you just don't buy them. You're like, ah, I don't need them. I got my, you know, I, I'm gonna stick my hands in my pockets or this, that, or the other, but you know, right now, like I, I only buy the mega hand warmers. I don't do the, the two little ones. I do the big size ones. And on Amazon, you can buy a bulk pack, quote unquote, for like eight bucks and you get 12 of them. And uh, so essentially for me, that's six hunts. I put one in each pocket and, you know, even in like November when it's brisk, it, they're 80 cents a piece and they last pretty much all day. But something like that is so small that maybe somebody wouldn't even think about like, but when your hands freeze, it seems like you just, everything else gets colder. Same thing with your feet, but I'm talking about your hands. And when your hands get cold, it's like it just, a lot of the, the things that, that happen during hunting, you're using your hands. It's going to be calling, you know, and absolutely when you're, when you're taking a shot, whether you're drawing your bow or, you know, you're shooting your bow or your gun, having that dexterity in your hands is a big deal to me. Uh, moving down on the list of, of cheap and easy things that are like, that I just think are some basics. Um, a headlamp, you know, forever I didn't have one. I just had a flashlight and headlamps. I, I don't have anything fancy, no high dollar streamlight or anything. Mine's literally a Duracell, runs off of a couple AAAs. It's got a high beam. It's got a high beam concentrated and a red light. That's what I need, you know? And it's, I think I bought it at Menards for 12 bucks. I leave it in my pack does not does not come out of there i do put lithium batteries in it which might increase the cost a little bit but that way i just don't have to worry about them leaking and in any battery acid and they last so much longer so like a headlamp is another thing um looking at like stand amenities this is a this is an absolute must for me i do not never have this when i'm either hanging a stand to hunt or when i'm hanging a stand for permanent is a tow rope a bow hanger and an accessory hanger those three things combined less than $20. You know, um, I have hunted with guys that don't have any of them or, or maybe have a bow hanger, but they just, they carry their bow up the tree. Like having a hoist rope makes it so much safer to enter and exit your tree. It's better for your gear. Without a doubt, you don't have to risk dropping it, banging against the stand or the ladder. Um, having just one of those 99 cent accessory hooks to put your backpack on such a nice little convenience. And then again, having, having a solid sturdy place to hang your bow or your gun so you can grab it easily and, and get ready for the shot. Those three things are just amenities that I will not go without that I have foregone gone using in the past. And it's just like, again, we're talking less than 20 bucks for the ensemble here. And, and you even talked about how awesome like these can be and, for you when I did the podcast with you for like hunting gift ideas, right, Cody? I mean, simple things that just make your life so much easier. I've got two more quick things. One of the other quick, simple things that I'll get into that is probably my most important basic is a, a wind checker. Wind is king. It took me a couple of years to learn that. And that's just probably because of where I started hunting and who I learned it from. But a wind checker costs five bucks, eight if you get something like that I like to use. It is king. You can't beat a deer's nose, just as you said. You can't beat a coyote's nose. You can't beat an elk's nose. You need to have it. 
And then lastly is a, like a Ziploc bag full of, not full of, but about 20 wraps of, hand, of toilet paper. Uh, for obvious uses, if you have a, a situation in the woods, but uh, more importantly for blood trailing, you guys are going to have an opportunity. You're going to get an animal hit and you're going to need to track it. Um, in November in the Midwest, there are so many little, little leaves and berries and, and sticks that look like blood. Having a fresh piece of toilet paper that you can tear off and touch to that what you think is blood and see if it is, is really nice and handy. So those are a couple quick things that I think are basics that should be must for somebody that's going to quote unquote hunt. That's not getting into your gun or your bow or, or you know, trophy care. That's just, you want to go out there and hunt. Your clothes are super important. And then a couple small amenities will make your life really easy. Yeah. I just want to touch base on a couple things that um, you mentioned there. Those are all really solid. Um, like you said, they're, a lot of people don't want to get invested, especially if they're not 100% sure that they're going to like hunting or maybe they don't have a lot of time. Um, so these things are going to make it way more enjoyable. So you're going to enjoy hunting more by spending just these few dollars. But the wind checker um, is something I had wrote down. I think that is, for a beginner, that is like a necessity um, yeah, because absolutely. you you will learn so much out of how that wind works on your property. You're going to look at the phone if you whatever if you're using it's going to say northwest you're going to get in there and it's going to be north or it's going to be west or it's going to be you know south somehow you know bouncing off a draw or something um it happens to all of us and until you know you just go in there thinking that it's northwest and say you, you have a light wind you don't ever check it you're going to be the whole time you're going to be thinking oh it's northwest you know and you have no idea but if you have that wind checker you can say well it says northwest but when i'm in this bottom in this tree it's actually straight north and that's going to put a huge factor on how you hunt. Um, and another thing I had on there was a headlamp. And I know you said you have a cheaper one, but when I bought a nice headlamp, that was just so, it was so nice to have. That's one of those things that's simple, um, but it's it, it's incredibly bright. Um, it doesn't fall off my head a whole bunch. It's actually designed, a lot of those headlamps I think are designed to like go on like a hard hat or something, you know, bigger than yeah. an actual head, you know, for like a construction site. I feel like that's what a lot of, this one's actually designed to go just on like your head um, and having a very bright light and also has a red light. Um, but having a bright light, whether you're tracking blood or you're trying to get out of somewhere that's incredibly thick or something and you're make, trying to make sure that you stay on a certain trail, that was a real nice piece of the, the inventory and I bought, I think it was called a police brand. I think it was like 40 bucks and, uh, I bought it and, uh, it has, a, I think it has a two year warranty as well. Um, cause I did warranty one of them, um, at one time, um, right from Menards too. I got it from Menards and I warranty through it through Menards. So that was nice, but, um, it's, it's just an awesome piece of gear. Um, that's always in my backpack. And, uh, I, I, had it run out of batteries on me the other night and made me realize, like I was telling you the story when I was out with my boy, made you realize how important a headlamp is um, to get out of the woods when it's dark, like <laughs> especially if you have a yeah. long ways to go. Because you're like, oh, I could, I could see. But then, you know, there's sticks and you got to go down a hill and cross a creek and you're trying to find the best place to cross. And it's just uh, way more convenient with, with a headlamp there. So that's just a couple things that I wanted to, to check on. So what what else you got on the list? 
So, I mean, switching, let's switch more specifically to bow hunting. And I think on the list for basics to me is, so you, your headlights, uh, headlamp is your one and done. That's what it sounds like. So to me, my headlamp is really for when maybe I'm at the truck or I'm up in the stand and I want a little bit of light to see what I'm doing. That's why it's important for me to have that red light on there. So like if I'm setting up the camera arm or if I'm maybe taking my quiver off my bow or I'm checking the wheel on my sight before first light. Cause like, man, last, last night I was shooting, you know, bombs at 75 to practice, but further shot in my timbers 20. Right. Um, I have where I where I went cheap on my headlamp. I have a really nice flashlight, um, because of the brightness, the output, the the how long it lasts. Um, so I have a I have a Phoenix flashlight, Phoenix with an F. Um, it's it's a very nice, probably mid tier flashlight. It doesn't have the name like Surefire or Streamlight, but I've had this flashlight for many years, and it's it's like a 900 lumen flashlight. I can see forever with it. When you're talking about blood trailing at night, Cody, it makes a huge difference to have a nice, big, bright light. Um, and, and people sometimes don't realize that. They'll be out there with their phone lights or like a cheap, cheap little, you know, small, small flashlight. And like having a very big, bright light really helps a lot. So that Phoenix light's only 120 bucks. Um, I say only, that's subjective, but that's, that's something that's important. But when we get into bow hunting, I think the biggest thing, the most important thing for a bow hunter is to just have a bow that's tuned properly. Um, it, that sounds again, kind of simple and rudimentary, but this is talk, we're talking about the basics. I know a lot of guys that start off bow hunting, they'll buy a, a bow from a friend or maybe pick up a bow online somewhere and have it shipped in and, and they just start hunting with it and shooting with it. And they might be able to do all right with it, but they just, maybe they don't even know that one of the reasons they're not shooting lights out or maybe they're not getting those pass-throughs is just because their bow is not in tune. Um, you don't have to be a guru. You don't have to be like a Mike Lemansky or a Levi Morgan and do it yourself, but find a trusted shop. If you have the bow, somebody should be able to help you tune that for relatively inexpensive. And by having a bow that is properly timed and tuned, not only will it shoot more accurately, it'll shoot more efficiently which means for better speed and penetration. So I, I know like I was, I was very lucky ever since I got into archery and my dad was adamant about it. He didn't do his own tuning, but he knew the importance of it. So I was lucky that I always had a bow that was timed and in tune, but like at college, man, guys would just struggle and struggle and struggle. And, and it was until they finally figured out, Hey, I need to take this to a shop that knows what they're doing, put it in a press, put it in a draw board, and make sure it's it's working right that they fought their bows until they found out it wasn't them at all just the bow was out of tune yeah it makes a huge factor and like i said if you're trying to have the you're trying to enjoy hunting you're just getting into it or you've been hunting for a long time um if you're struggling with your bow and you're not that confidence is gone every time you go hunting you're going to be thinking about that bow You'd be like, man, I'm not sure if this thing's tuned, but you're out there anyways. Um, mm -hmm. It's going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> going to be weighing on you the whole entire time you're out there um, before you even get the shot. And then when you do end up getting an opportunity, it's going to be heavily weighing on you um, in that moment. Well, it's like anything. I think one of the most important factors is confidence in your gear, not confidence in, 
as being as an arrogance like I'm going out and I'm going to kill that deer. That's not what I'm saying. We're not talking about a football game here. We're just talking about, like you said, when the moment of truth comes, if your gear is is set right and you're absolutely confident, doesn't matter if it's a gun or a bow, you just eliminate that equation, that 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 potential issue in your head. You don't have to worry about when you're drawing back. Oh man, I, I was shooting not very good the other day. I hope my bow's all right. Or like. When there's that buck that's at 150 and you're like, man, my gun kind of shoots okay at 100. I wonder if I can make this shot. You know, like you eliminate that. It, it's just you practicing whatever you, the fundamentals you have for your your archery or your firearm equipment to make the shot. You know, it, it's it's not even a part of it. Like when when Tom Brady goes to, to play in a Super Bowl, he's probably not worried that his cleats are going to blow out. You know what I mean? He doesn't yeah. even think about that. He's just there to make the play, you know, one his thing, gear I, uh, is just, go one, ahead. One thing I really like is the fact that if you know that your bow's tuned, you know that, you know, everything's proper, your gun sighted and perfect, you can't blame it on anything. There's nothing yeah. to blame it on except, oh, man, I, I made a bad shot or I took the shot at the wrong time. There, There's, and you can't, in your mind, you can't go, oh, well, it's the bow or is it, or the scope's trash or something. When you already know beforehand that it's solid, there there's really nothing that you can say at the end of it other than you made a mistake, and that's going to help you grow as a hunter way quicker than you changing the scope because you thought the scope might have been off before you took the shot. The scope's actually fine, but um, you took the shot when it was off, and uh, I know multiple people, even my friends, well, there must be something wrong with my scope. They shoot a deer high or shoot a deer low or during gun season or something. I'm like, I mean, what, how do you not know already? <laughs> you know, like what? you should know what you got going on. But I know it's it's hard with uh, time and, and stuff to to really dial in your stuff. But it doesn't take as long as you think, as long as, you know, you got a guy like Garrett to, to smooth out the wrinkles in your in your setups like 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 I did. <laughs> hey, man, you're shooting lights out now, though. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, when I left there, I said, the main thing is, is, you know, I don't need to be absolutely hit, you know, two inch groups at uh, 200 or 100. I just need to be confident in the gun. Um, and I, when I walked away, I said, I'm confident in the gun. My shooting, I know I could get my shooting better um, just by shooting the gun better. But I'm confident when it comes to, to making the shot. I think, like you said, that's the most important thing. Um, one thing I you mentioned uh, on here. And I have it on the pissed off area of gear um, is releases. Um, I had a junk release for a very very long time, and I don't think I don't care whether it's a wrist you know wrist release, a thumb, uh, whatever you have, just get a good one that is ergonomically fit, good for your hand and you're comfortable with. I had one that it was a wrist release. It was cheap. It velcroed on, and it just wasn't nice. You know, and now I have one, I don't know what brand it is. It's a couple years, three years old, but it actually folds like back. So when you're climbing the stand or whatever, or you're mm -hmm. messing with your gear, it'll fold back. Um, it's really smooth. It fits my hand, uh, my wrist. I have smaller wrists for the size of the guy I am for some reason. I don't know. I always have my whole life. So it fits. It's I'm not on the last notch, and I got like, 17 inches of you know the rest of the strap hanging off the edge um it fits good so that's something that i had that kind of drove me nuts when i first started hunting 
um, was just not a, a good, smooth release. Whether I don't care if, if it's a $30 release and it, you shoot good with it, that's completely fine. Um, but just find something that you're comfortable with because that has a huge factor on even how much you practice with your bow or, you know, to get ready, not even for the shot. If you hate your release and every time you shoot, you're like, man, this release is junk and you don't ever change it, you're not going to go shoot your bow as much as if you're like, man, this release is nice. Like, I, I enjoy shooting this release. Um, so that's something that I think a lot of people look over um, that I wanted to mention in, in this episode. Yep. So a couple other things in my bow hunting basics. Uh, my, my number one thing that is uh, absolute pisses me off on per your list is our bad broadheads. And or I should say, Cheap broadheads is is more important to say than bad broadheads. When I started bow hunting, um, I literally went and bought some some cheap fixed head broadheads, and I thought, okay, fix are going to be good because for penetration and um, forgivingness, etc. But but you have to educate yourself on what they're made out of. So a broadhead can look identical to one of the leading competitors or brands out there, but I. I I found out the hard way that a broadhead made with cheap, softer metal just isn't going to perform. And more times than not, if it's too good to be true and the price is too good to be true, it is. So my, my thought on that is stay away from your cheap broadheads. And I'm going to throw out a name like Allen broadheads. Um, I have never shot anything with those and I haven't shot them in a long time where the broadhead wasn't destroyed. I mean, not not just bent or mangled, but I mean, uh, unrecognizable. I I had a couple of them left over, and they were like a, looked like a monotech, right? I thought, oh, this is going to be just like a G5. It looked like it was all one piece. It wasn't a replaceable blade, and I literally shot a raccoon with it, and it looked like you had taken that broadhead and put it in a vise and hit it with a hammer, a, a raccoon, you know. So I'm like, man, what would that do to a deer? I think the other inverse side of that is, is that, and the gimmick side of things is that I think large expandable broadheads, I mean, I'm talking uh, big, big broadheads, those are not made for your typical archer. And there are some celebrities that push them and promote them and, and talk about how you can hit a deer back or in the stomach and it can be a still a lethal shot, which it can be, but do not buy a broadhead because you're planning on making a bad shot. That's total, that's the absolute wrong mindset. You never buy something because you're planning on making a bad shot. You plan to make a great shot. That's what you practice for. And that's why you should strive as an outdoorsman. Don't buy a broadhead that's gonna perform extremely poorly in the kill zone area, just because you think you're gonna hit them in the guts. So I think broadheads for a bow hunter are super important. There are so many things out there that are flashy and catchy and the newest and latest and greatest. And I think you just need to do a little bit of, of reflection and say, okay, what kind of weight am I pulling? What, what arrow am I shooting? And then go from there. All right. I agree. I got, I went into the big broadhead there for a while, mechanical. Um, and you know, I had, I, I, one thing I really want to do is I found a head that I like and I just want to stick to it. I just, yeah. I've been switching a lot just cause that's kind of what the market wants you to do. Mm-hmm. And it's tough to not, man, I want to try this or man, I want to try that. But 
I don't do that with anything else. I don't go from a Matthews to a Hoyt to a, you know, I, I like the stuff I like. Um, and I need to stop bouncing around. I found something I like, shoots good, um, have confidence with it, so I just need to continue to keep shooting it instead of making the moves. But I, I think, like you said, that Broadheads is one of like the most marketing. I, it'd be interesting to see how much money they put into Broadhead marketing compared to other uh, areas of the hunting industry. I think Broadhead's <laughs> probably like up there, top three in like the push for marketing because it's something that people know that they have to buy every year. When you're not going to buy a camo every year, you're not going to buy a bow every year. Someone's going to buy Broadheads every year, more than likely. Um, right. And it's so so many different people making Broadheads. I feel like um, there's just like so much competition that people really market those and push hard on a Broadhead um, more than other products and if you're and if you're a brand new imagine you're brand new just trying to get into hunting you walk into bass pro and go down the broadhead aisle like dude you'd be what? like man i don't even know where to start like what do i what am i doing here there's there's 60 70 options to choose from um you know in reality there's probably only about 10 that are 10 options that are actually any different than any of the other options but there's still 60 plus broadhead different kind of broadheads there in that aisle and you're you have no idea what to get you're just probably getting what you heard someone say it was good you know so yep so i I have some honorable mentions here that we can run through really quick um for bow hunting i think it's not necessary depending on how far you're going to shoot especially for beginners but it really does help is a rangefinder I mean, those can start off at 80 bucks and go up into the hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So it's definitely something that, you know, adds an expense to your, to the ensemble. But I I know that I never hunt without one. I think if you're one of those guys that's starting out bow hunting, you're like, okay, I'm not going to shoot past say 30 yards. You probably don't need one because it, Unless you're really new to, to bow hunting, it is kind of hard to judge distance, especially, you know, if you're used to shooting on the ground compared to a deer stand. But I think it's an honorable mention. I think it's something that a lot of archers should consider having, and it can make the difference between a lethal shot and maybe a, a missed opportunity. I think this see, this is where we kind of differ, which is good. I think range finder is almost a necessity for someone that's new to bow hunting. Um, just because you get into so many situations and you probably are not, you're going to be in every, say every hunting area you've never hunted before. You have no reference of, well, that tree is 20, that tree, you know, like we've been there before you got different angles out of the tree stand. Maybe you're in a ravine this time hunting and the deer is actually really close, but looks far away. Um, so I think it's damn near a necessity and it's going to help you a lot more. Um, maybe you could pull some budget away from something else. Um, you know, like, like binos is one thing I have on here. Like, man, binos are so good. Like for me, they're almost a necessity just cause I love them. I use them so much. Um, yep. but for someone new hunting, probably don't get the binos and get the range finder in my opinion, just cause it's, it's that important and in in my in my years of hunting i would say that's going to help you out a lot more because like i said it's cross you know it's it's crossable to gun season too 
It's, you know, say say you're going to gun hunt or you're going to crossbow hunt. It's really hard to judge 50 yards, like, no yeah. matter how long you've been out there. You're going to crossbow hunt. You can shoot 50 yards. You, you don't want to wound a deer always at 50 and he's 45 and you shoot him high, you know, and now you're tracking a deer um, or gun hunting. Well, I'm comfortable to 125. And then you got a deer, you're like, ah, oh, it looks like 125. Like, the hardest thing for me to re- to – to justify yardage is in a tree stand overlooking an open field is in, like I'll range it. And if it's anywhere past about 75 yards, 65 yards, I can't judge it. I'm way, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty far off. And I don't know if it's just cause I haven't hunted field edges a lot or what it is, but I'm way better in the timber than I am on a field edge. But like 200 yards to me when I was ranging, it wasn't as far as I thought it was like, ranging out of my blind this year i'm like okay 200 what where's my my radius my comfortable radius you know that i'm i'm not gonna stretch you know my non-stretch radius i'm ranging i'm like man it's i thought that corner over there would be you know 200 it's like 240 you know i'm like ah man but it's really hard to judge that 40 yards so i think the range finder would be beneficial um to maybe cut on something else to to get that and i I agree with you. I, I don't want to, I don't you think that I was saying rangefinders are non-necessary. I just, I was talking to the person that started like an example when, when Logan, when I met her, she was already bow hunting, but she didn't have a rangefinder. You know, she's like, I just, I wasn't going to shoot anything unless you're really close. Yeah. I didn't have okay. a rangefinder for years when I first started hunting just cause it was the cost factor. Um, right. but I, I missed some deer, um, because I didn't have a rangefinder. And it's just another one of those excuse things. If you can just wipe the excuse off the board and say, okay, I knew how far the deer was. I was able to range the object. You don't even have to range the deer. You know, you can range a tree. Okay, that tree's 30. He's a couple steps behind it. Just to get you in the ballpark to know. Because right. most of the time, if someone's new hunting, he's going to have a 20, 30, 40 pin. You know, and it's not like we're always oh, at 34. I got a little time. Let's roll to 34 and get yeah. set up. You know, we're a little bit more, um, you, ha- you even have a little bit more time when you're an experienced hunter. Cause you understand that the moment is longer than you think it is. Um, I remember when I first hunting, I'm like, Oh God, there's a deer. I got to get my bow. I got to get drawn. And now I'm drawn for a minute before I even shoot because I'm, I'm trying to make the process so fast, you know, cause I don't want to miss it. Um, right, but uh, I I didn't have a rangefinder at the beginning either, but I wish I would have. Well, I don't have anything other must-haves for hunting. The only other honorable mention I have is that um, for bow hunters to to get with a comfortable stand. When I first started hunting, and again, a lot of this dictates your is dictated by your budget. Um, I literally bought. From Sportsman Warehouse, the guide gear, it was $19.99, a, a steel stand, hang-on stand. And then the ladders were 20 bucks a piece. And I hunted out of those for a long time. And I did not realize how so uncomfortable, so heavy and clunky those stands were until I started using quality stands. And I know this is a big thing for you, especially as much as you be about brown, Cody. But like, to me, the difference between going to uh shields and buying you know i I think like right now an entry level stands like 40 to 45 bucks or getting into that 80 dollar range stand or 100 is a huge difference in in 
everything and comfort and, you know, ability to hang it easily and storability, just all, all around. And I think that as an honorable mention, that was my last thing for bow hunters is if you can try to get yourself a better tree stand, cause you're going to, it's going to pay you dividends in it. Yeah. I would definitely agree on that. Having a, the, the better, not the more expensive, the better the equipment, the better the experience, in my opinion, just, um, especially if you're going to be hunting out of a tree, that's a whole new, um, step that a lot of people may, may have never hunted, maybe done or just starting or been doing it forever, but it, it's, it's a whole nother game than hunting on the ground. Um, the one thing I had on here that wasn't mentioned was a harness, um, Make sure, you know, if, if you're going to be bow hunting out of a stand, get a harness and get a good harness. Don't You know, get a light, not bulky. I had one with, like, pockets in it and shit, and it was, just, it was just too much going on. Get a light harness that's comfortable to your body, that fits well, and that's going to make your hunting experience way better. Because more, more than likely, you're wearing it in. Um, so if you got shit hanging off it, it's catching on thorns and, um, it's heavy and it's uncomfortable. Um, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a pain and you're not going to want to wear it. Like the harness I have now, I don't mind wearing it at all. Like I feel like when I lock it in, I feel like, okay, I'm in the game now. Like that, I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know. I feel, I feel good when I have it on and I just have, I think they're like 40 or 50 bucks, that super lightweight one from Hawk. They're yep. not that expensive, uh, but it's a really comfortable harness, and I think that would be a must-have. Get a harness. A lot of the tree stand um, come with, like, that really junk black harness. You remember back in the day when you got the box? Oh, yeah. D- oh, yeah. Just don't use that. Like, Throw it I, away. I know there's some guy out there that's using that. Nothing wrong with using that, but you're going to be so much better off getting a decent harness because um, I remember using it. And like it didn't even have clips. You had to like no, turn, you had to like put, turn the metal sideways and slide it through the loop, and then turn it sideways again. Like it was just not good. Um, I used a like an actual like roofing harness for a while, really <laughs> really heavy, um, and it was just you know what I had. Didn't have a lot of money, so that's what I was able to use. Um, and then I got a good harness, and, and it was like okay, this is I was stupid for not spending the 50 bucks to get a decent one um and you're spending that on new broadheads every different broadheads every year just to try you know skip the broadheads one year get a decent harness you're gonna thank me later so all right uh let's get into the gun hunting you're you uh you and me we love we love gun hunting um i pretty much use all my same gear um besides the one thing that uh, a really nice guy bought me this year that i think is not a necessity, but definitely worth mentioning um, in this in this episode. But go ahead and uh, and get into the gun hunting. What you got? Okay, so my number one thing for gun hunters, and this is uh, it's it's not a gear thing, it's a mindset thing. Um, everybody talks about how you need to practice with your bow. You see it all the time. In the summer, people are shooting their bows. They're going to three D shoots, and then like um, you know they're doing their little Instagram story updates, myself included. You know, shooting your bow after work, etc. And I think so many people neglect spending time behind a gun. Um, I'm, I'm no get Chris Kyle, but I'm a gun geek and I shoot a lot and I'm lucky that I can do that right behind my house when I want. But uh, when I, I help 
a lot of guys like side in their firearms or maybe mount a scope or et cetera. And when I get them on the bench, you know, I, I don't want to critique them too much, but I want to help them learn that there are their mechanics similar to shooting a bow that there are with a gun. And so my thing with, with firearms, it sounds as, as a basic is just to shoot your gun. Um, and, and I was at fault at this, uh, because, you know, you, you think my gun sighted in my gun is good to go pick it up. I check it and, and away I go. And there is some relevance to that. That's right. It's true. And I think that a gun is a lot different than a bow, but I think a lot of people just fail to shoot their firearm, their hunting gun, you know, as much as they really should to prepare themselves for season. So that's my number one thing for gun basics is like, I don't care if it's a muzzleloader or a shotgun or rifle, you just need to spend time behind it and, and feel the recoil, feel the trigger, you know, watch that impact through the scope um, and practice those mechanics so that you're just as efficient with your gun as you should be, you know, when it comes time to kill fur instead of paper. Yeah, I had this wrote down as well for gun hunters was um, I believe that you should shoot a gun. Like if you're a new, a new hunter, you need to shoot. Maybe you're getting into muzzleloader. You need to shoot your muzzleloader, but shooting any gun and going through the process of, pull, you know, say you got a 22 with a scope on it. The recoil is not going to be the same, but you're still going to have to find a target in the scope and you're still going to have to pull the trigger and just go through that motion of, um, you know, shooting a gun. If, if you're new to hunting and you want to get into gun hunting. Um, and then, you know, if so you don't want to shoot a muzzleloader all the time, kick hard, they're expensive, blah, blah, blah. Get comfortable behind that, but get comfortable behind just pulling a trigger, understanding your process of getting, you know, getting down, getting comfortable in the scope. And that's something when I went up and, and you helped me, you know, get the muzzleloader sighted in, um, you were real good about watching my mechanics and telling me, Hey, you know, you did this this time, and that's probably why we did this. And uh, you had me just dry fire the the gun a couple times, and just doing that, like just a couple times, you're not worried about the shot at all, and you're just able to focus on the 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 trigger pull and you know staying on on your sight throughout the whole time. Um, so if you don't want to just dry fire your gun, just you know, pick up a different rifle you have maybe or something and enjoy shooting it some because it's all going to help you um, when that time comes. But like you said, time behind the gun is important. But if you don't want to spend a bunch of time behind your shotgun because it kicks or I know that's what a lot of people are going to say when we said that, you know, well, it kicks a lot or it's expensive to shoot. Well, find something that's not expensive to shoot and get behind it and shoot because that's the only way you're going to get better um, at, at making them shots. With I, I cannot echo that anymore. Um, several people I've I've kind of helped and um, people are really close to me. One of the best things that I can say is like like you said, 22, 17 HMR, something that's cheap, fun, and and you can shoot a lot of it. One thing that I do is when I'm out shooting with somebody and we're we're working specifically on like accuracy and mechanics is load each other's gun for them. And randomly, don't put a round in the chamber, but work the action. You know, it's real easy with bolt action guns. But so like an example is when during the summer, sometimes my wife and I will literally go pick up a bucket of walnuts. We'll put them around the yard and I've got a little 22 that we love shooting and I'll chamber around and give it to her and vice versa. And every once in a while, we'll we'll just not have one in the chamber. 
And you'll know behind the gun, like when you pull the trigger and that scope doesn't move, you did it right. But if you're punching the trigger or pulling the trigger, you'll know right away because there's no recoil, no noise. And that's a good way to, to really break any bad habits. And then by having that partner be like, ah, you see what you did there? Like you, you just messed up. Or just like you said, Cody, with the dry fire, it, it shows you where you're messing up. And sometimes you need that, like kind of not rubbing your nose in it, but like snapping and, and saying, Hey, Oh man, I, I am pulling the trigger. I didn't realize I was, I was, I was doing that, but now I know. So I couldn't agree more. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it, it was fun to just like, not think about like the shot and okay, I'm about to shoot here. I got to get it right on the money and just saying, okay, I'm going to get on the money and I'm just going to, I'm just going to pull the trigger. I know nothing's going to happen, but I'm going to make it as clean as possible. Um, and just, I felt like I shot better after we did that twice, just two times. And then I was like, okay, yeah, okay. That I, I really like that, you know, in the middle of shooting. Um, uh, just kind of reset yourself because you can hear that click, you know, when you dry fire and you're like, okay, I did everything right. Nothing moved. And then it feels good. So when you make that next shot, you're like, okay, yeah, I'm ready to go. So, so the next thing on my list is a sling for a target gun, not necessary, but for hunting, man, uh, I have a sling on all of my hunting guns and, uh, I don't really care what you have on there. I, I like the claw slings are rubberized. Um, they're long enough for me. If I want to, I can yoke them out and throw it over my opposite shoulder if I'm making a big haul, but it just, it's, it's a really nice, again, cheap amenity to a hunting gun that when you're walking in and out of the, the woods or your stand or your blind, that I think is just something that should be a, an automatic keep a sling on your hunting gun. I can agree. I, something I do not have on my muzzle or I have on my shotgun. And while I was hunting this year, I'm like, what am I doing carrying this thing <laughs> everywhere? Um, mm -hmm. It was almost, and I almost went, we were at Bass Pro after gun season and I was like, I'm going to buy one. And then I was like, you know what? I'm not going to, they didn't have the one I wanted. So I was like, I'm not going to buy one. <laughs> I'm going to get the <laughs> one I wanted now that I'm not, I don't use, don't need it, you know, but uh, I could agree. Um, it, it's definitely a very nice added feature. Um, any, in, even like it, you said, you're, if you, if you're hunting and you're making a long haul, or if you're going to go up in a tree stand, you can, you can use the strap as well. It's better of course, to, to tie it off and pull it up, but there's always been something about tying off a gun and pulling it up that I've always been kind of, you know, a little bit hesitant on. Um, mm -hmm. I like to just throw it, you know, double shoulder it, barrel up and climb up. I just feel like that's a safer way of doing things. Um, but uh, that definitely is something that I didn't think of um, that would, that would, especially someone new to hunting, that would definitely be an advantage. So the last one that I have for, for firearm hunting without going down the rabbit hole too much is, um, is kind of along the same mindset that, that we've had this, most of this podcast is like, um, more money doesn't necessarily mean better, as you said, but quality. And so a lot of your, your firearm packages that you can go buy at a store, specifically shotgun packages that come with an optic on there the the glass on them is 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 really and to me pretty worthless um when i go and, and i buy if you're looking to buy a firearm you you need to 
plan on having that expense of an optic. And, and again, something that I didn't do when I was younger is have that mindset. I would go in and I would buy um, a firearm and it would have the, the, you know, scope package and I would hunt with it. And again, I didn't realize that how much of a difference quality glass made, not, not just on like the ability to see in low light and clarity and other things, but legitimately the accuracy of your gun. I fought way too many rifles in my life where I was, I was trying to figure out what I was doing wrong as a marksman when it was the scope, the reticle was moving or, or say the, you know, the, the bases were junk and were, and were rattling like, is having a having a good piece of glass, and I'm not saying you need to go out and buy a Swarovski or a Zeiss and get silly with it, but just getting into a a very good piece of glass can make a huge difference in how that gun performs downrange. I agree with you. I have always kind of been the junk glass guy, I would say, um, <laughs> and the one I have on now is kind of a mid range. Um, and at every, all year I was looking through it, I was like, man, this thing's nice. Man, this yeah. thing's nice. And then I bought, I, I finally bought some like good binos, same thing. I'm like, man, these things are so nice, like compared to what I've used in the past. Just having something that's nice, it, it just makes, uh, especially when you're used to using junk like me, um, saving up. And, and a lot of times for, for a guy, a gun's like a lifetime purchase. Um, you're not unless you're flipping and selling, but if you're going to have a hunting gun, you're going to have a lot of kills underneath that thing. Um, and why not put something quality on it? Um, if you're going to have it for years and years anyways, um, your confidence is going to go up. You're going to be able to stretch the distance. So your success rate's going to go up um, because you're going to be able to shoot a little further. Um, so it's all, all around a win-win on that. Um, but you can get it done with the, the, the cheap glass, but you're not going to be able to get it done as cleanly and as far as you know the the nicer glass i agree i agree so all right let's for, get into the good stuff yep the the That's what i was just gonna yeah, say the the people the stuff that people are probably here for um i'll go first and go ahead and just knock this out of the park um uh any kind of scent spray um <laughs> scent lock any of that use it if you want to do not waste your money on it if if you want to save that money and buy a decent scope or save that money and get the range finder, save that money. And like, I don't know how much marketing goes into that stuff. Ass loads, ass, ass loads of, uh, you got to use this nose jammer. You got to use this dead down wind. You got to use this, this helped me kill this buck. Um, blah, blah, blah. I would, he came in right down wind. And if I didn't have this, this would have worked. That shit is nonsense. Um, save your money, go somewhere else. Uh, I, this, you know, you talked about this on, on your podcast a bunch, but the dope piss game, that's another thing that there's like 8,000 different distributors and people. Um, I've never had any success with that at all. One thing I heard someone say though, is Southern deer, they have more success with, with dopey and stuff, which didn't make any sense to me. Um, but I mean, if you have success doing it, go ahead and use it. If you're just getting to hunting, um, I would say don't buy any of that stuff and buy something that's going to make your hunting more enjoyable or you more, you know, a better release or a better stand. Because I mean, you you think, oh, I'm just spending you know twenty dollars on some dopey, but then you buy 
that, and then, okay, November, middle of November, you go buy another 20, and you do that for three or four years. I mean, it adds up. You could have two nice stands, and you're still hunting out of junk stands. So um, that would be my main two um, before, instead of going down a, just a giant rabbit hole of junk shit, um, that would be my na- main two that I think the most money is wasted on is sin control and sense that you put out there. Like, they, remember that yeah. thing that they had, like no offense against this company. Like, I, I don't know if it works or not. I've never uh, seen it, but that scent blender or whatever that I sent you, like oh yeah, that like oh yeah. So what you're going to do is you're going to put water in this, then you're going to go out and you're going to get some pine cones. You're going to put the pine cones in this blender, and you're going to blend it up, and then you're going to smell like a pine cone. Like, I'll tell you this much: I think that has more. Yeah, I would, yeah. I would trust that more than I would like the dead down wind synthetic yeah. dopey. Yeah, or 100 yeah. percent some odor eliminating spray. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, and then they have this thing. I don't know what it was, but you put this scent tube in this little black tube, and it almost looked like a vape, and it heated up and it smoked. It looked cool, oh, yeah. but it's oh, yeah. the scent come out as a smoke. The wind scent, yeah. Or something like that. I'm like, okay. And it was expensive. Oh, yeah. It was like oh, 100 yeah. something bucks to get this yep. pee heater out there. <laughs> Well, the old piss heater. Oh, okay. Go ahead. I I I agree. Uh, Those are my number one and two things: is scent elimination spray and and scent attractants. I mean, I think, like if you're talking about feed, there's all kinds of acorn rage, pecan pie, green apple, whatever stuff. That's different. Yeah, Uh, I have. I I wish we could just try that shit out, but I'm assuming you're gonna get a lot of coons and shit with that stuff. (laughs) You know what I mean? You put the, something out there that says sweet pecan pie, about 83 coons are going to be on that thing before any deer's <laughs> over there. Oh, yeah. So, like, just what you were talking about with, with scent spray, and, and to echo it again, is that you can't fool a deer's nose. I think that I think that if a deer is trying to wind you or is an alert, they're, they're going to smell you. I think that if a deer is distracted, you have way more opportunities to get away with it. Same thing like if you have a dog, right? A dog's nose is fantastic. And if you're playing fetch with that dog and it keep, and it runs over like a, a ground scent, it probably isn't going to pick it up because it's not trying to smell that. It's playing fetch. So same thing with deer. If a deer is distracted, it, it, you have a, a lesser chance of it winding you, but I, I just don't think you can beat it. As far as the scents go, I have never had a positive reaction to any type of scented attractant that I've ever used via drag i've i've got a couple products that i that i do like to use when i'm making a mock scrape but man never anything like that and then furthermore on sense i think the most expensive biggest gimmick out there that has flooded the market are ozone generation products um i think ozone works in a very controlled environment but again like even if you nuke your clothes in an ozone closet you spend a lot of money on you're you're not bulletproof like if that deer's downwind to you and it wants to smell you it has an opportunity to stay downwind and it's trying to wind you or it's a buck walking into the wind because it's checking the bedding area like it's actively seeking out scents to try to find the pheromones for hot does like he's gonna smell you and i don't care what you did um just as you talked about with rubber boots the rubber soles on crispies are pretty damn similar to the rubber soles on on rubber boots like if they're gonna smell you they're going to smell you. 
You know, you just can't beat it. I'm sorry. Yeah, and, I, and I, I learned that. I believe the ozone works a little. You know, I think it saves me some washes. That's what it does. Sure, um, but, but you know, like I have, I have Western buddies, man, that don't. The only time they wash their clothes is when they stink to the point that they they need to wash them, like normal yeah. stuff, like yeah, like and they're just like, dude, it doesn't matter. And it mm-hmm. took me so long to realize that. And I'm not saying that I don't wash my clothes. Yes, I have a washer and dryer that's just dedicated to my hunting stuff. I do. But try as I must, man, I've went through the rigmarole of trying to be scent free and using ozone both in concentrated areas and I've had it in my stand with me. And it's just like, I'm like, gosh, what, what, what more can I do, you know, to make, to make myself scent free and still get blown at? Yeah. Uh, I think it's, it's like I said, it's just that you can use all that and will it help you? It might help you some, but you cannot get the false sense of security that it brings to the table of, oh yeah, this is this is exactly what I need to do, um, and they're, they're just they're just not gonna be able to smell me, you know, because I, that's what that that's what they're marketing. They're not marketing, hey, this might help you out a little bit. It might be that you know just enough edge. They're marketing, they're not gonna smell you. Like right. I, I just don't even know how they market that and feel um, okay with it. You know, they're they're not marketing it. Well, it's gonna help you, you know, save a few washes. It's gonna kill a little bacteria on your skin. It's gonna help you out a little bit. No, they're they're not gonna they're gonna come in dead downwind. They're not gonna smell you. Like it just it it just blows me away. But I went down that rabbit hole too, man. I had I had the you know, I still use the bags. I like the bags. Just it like I said, it's just it feels like I'm doing something. I can tell difference in my personal smell on stuff that I put in there. Um, so I know it does do something, but hell, I had the deodorant, the mouthwash, the 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 spray, the field wipes. Like I had a lot of that shit. And I still use the field wipes sometimes, just because they're nice, man. <laughs> you get to the, well, yeah. the you get to the tree and you're all sweaty and stuff, and you just wipe you know your head, the back of your neck and stuff down real quick. Um, uh, but just like the scent lock stuff, they're not marketing. Hey, it might help you out a little. They're marketing this stuff is going to absorb your scent, and they're not going to be able to smell you. Um, so it's just right. a different, you know. Does it help a little bit? It might. I've never seen a difference, uh, but maybe I'm not using it 100% correctly. But they're just marketing it wrong. So I think someone that's maybe listening to this that is on the edge of buying that, they want to get more serious into hunting. Uh, don't buy that. Buy something that's just as expensive as Scentlock, but is way more high quality and has a better warranty and it's going to fit you better that just doesn't have the scent locking technology you know i it just is it and it's going to be similar to the same price 100 <laughs> so. percent. i've got two more hunting gimmicks on here yeah go ahead my first one is coyote decoys i i um, i love coyote but i told you about how i was coyote hunting when i was 14 with my freaking deer shotgun and so I've tried multiple different coyote decoys. I've tried the decoys that are on top of your calls. I've tried decoys that are uh, standalone, you know, battery powered, just stake them in the ground. And I've even tried like coyote decoys that are shaped like a coyote. And I, I've never, ever had very good experiences with them. I think, um, again, that that's a, a, a gimmick that's out there. I think if you're going to coyote hunt, your best thing is to not have a decoy, have that coyote searching for you. That's going to give you the biggest advantage because, I mean, especially with 
the molded coyote decoy i have i have almost unanimously had coyotes see the decoy and stop yeah and and then uh, it's presented opportunities for sure but instead of that coyote coming into 40 yards i had to shoot him at 150 hmm. i'd rather take that 40 yeah. yard shot yeah for sure you know like and and even with the decoys that are like um you know, distressed prey decoys. I've had more coyotes hang up and like investigate to see what it is than just come barreling in. All of my hard chargers, those coyotes that I shoot in self-defense are because I am, I am, have no decoy out. They're, they're running in trying to find what that noise was that attracted them. And that's the best thing. So coyote decoys are a gimmick. And then to cap, to kind of pair with that is, a single shooting stick rest system. Um, I, again, love gun hunting and I, 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 bipods are kind of expensive and tripods are very expensive. So like, okay, they make some pretty economical single stick rests and, and you just, you're wasting your money. Um, I think a lot of the advantages of having a bipod fixed to your gun or like a saddle platform, a tripod saddle platform is that your firearm can be held and in place and you have the freedom of using your hands. A single stick does give you a little bit of extra rest, but they're extremely unuser friendly. The stability is poor and you have to keep your hand pretty much on your gun the whole time, both hands to, to hold it. So I think the single shooting sticks, whether it's a Primo's trigger stick or just a, a cheap rubberized, you know, V at the top with an adjustable base, like spend a little extra money and either get a bipod or get a quality gun tripod with a saddle and it'll change the way you can shoot that gun in the field. Yeah. It changed mine. That, that bog pod just changed everything about, especially gun hunting for me on the ground. It was just like, man, I don't have, like your, your guns up and ready to go. It's pointed where the deer think there. You think the deer are going to come out and then you just have to get shouldered on the gun and that's it. It's just so yep. nice. Um, yep. And uh, like I said, that's definitely not a um, that's a necessity, luxury. but it's definitely something that is super, super nice to have. And it's another one of those things that, like, you don't know what you're missing until you have it, and then you have it. You're like, man, I should have had this forever. Like, how <laughs> right. how many shots that I, you know, when I was young that I took would have been so much better if I'd have had this thing. It's just mm -hmm. like, with, with, like in Missouri with my gun and that thing, like I would take some long shots, <laughs> you know, during rifle season because I would just feel really comfortable because it, it's it's such a it, it takes the ease of a lot of your motion and stuff at those long ranges where you know three hundred yards a quarter inch motions you know a lot in a scope you know <laughs> and you oh, you, yeah. you holding your hand steady is pretty tough and that takes ninety percent of the motion out I think when it's when you're just on the back of the gun like that it's just so awesome so well, well man, any, yeah i think anything this else was, that you got no i think this was awesome this is exactly what i was wanting so you know in a nutshell for if there is new hunters out there even even you know seasoned hunters um kind of go through your gear now and see what maybe you need to pick up what maybe you should lose um, if there's some stuff that you should splurge for this year instead of buying the new broadheads or buying the new camo or whatever, maybe you should, you know, get some nicer glass, maybe some nicer binos. Um, and then, uh, oh, one thing I didn't mention, um, 
my pissed off list. The retractable pull rope. Some guys <laughs> love that thing. Abs- I've had nothing but that is thing, that thing is a demon. Don't even look at that thing on the shelf. I've had nothing but bad luck with that. Um, crappy, thing is a demon. Yeah, crappy harnesses. I already mentioned that. Like, just do get a nice harness, and then deer leases is one of my pissed off things. Um, deer leases on TV look incredible. They're awesome. Um, don't not get them, but don't expect to have just the best case scenario. If you do end up getting a deer lease, they could change in a freaking month. So that that's, uh, that's we'll get into this really quick. We'll get in the weeds. I think the number one thing with any hunting ground is the relationship. And yeah. I've talked to you about, I mean, not that you didn't do a, a good job. You've had terrible, terrible luck with leases, but all the leases that I pay money for, like, I do, I go above and beyond to nurture that relationship, to make sure that I'm, I'm being a good steward of their land and that they enjoy me because it, it's going to happen somewhere, somewhere along the line. Somebody's going to find out that you're killing good deer or a big deer on that property. And they're going to get off an opportunity to pay, get more money for mm-hmm. that ground. And yeah. if like the landowner is only hunting hungry for money, then you should know that going in. But like, time and time again there is there's a monetary exchange but then there's also a sense of trust right and 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 eventually you know friendship there that you build up to a certain degree and so with leases i agree man dude it could be and your stories are or some of the worst. <laughs> I don't could, know. You need to like sacrifice a chicken. Yeah. You know, know. you got some yeah. bad juju. I got some bad juju, but yeah, it's just uh it's just one of those things that you you say you're a new hunter you're watching show or you're listening to someone and they're talking about, Oh, I got this lease. It's great. Had it for five years, been, you know, managing it, blah, blah, blah. A lot of times that's not possible. Like, like you said, that's a situation like you, where if you've, there's a, they put a lot more work in instead of just paying that, that yearly lease fee. Oh yeah. They they got a lot more going on than what you think. So that was the main goal of this episode. Just um, put shine some lights on some crap stuff, some crap products, and then shine some lights on what we think is crucial, um, the basic gear that you should get to get out there and and hunt and enjoy hunting, because that's the main thing. If you're going to start hunting, uh, you know, enjoy it. But I appreciate you coming on and uh, recording this episode with me. I almost had you on um, the episode of uh, another one on of getting land, like because that's one of the huge basics of deer hunting is getting land. And I know you have a really good way about getting land and keeping it. Um, so might have you on again, but we'll see. We, we might try to spread the love around a little bit more. But uh, maybe I'll do a double dip and have a couple different people's opinions on that one episode. I think that might be fun. So yeah, we don't want, we don't want to bore your listeners with me, man. I'm hey, hey, I love I love chat with you. I talk to you all the time. So <laughs> you're like probably number two on the list of uh, the amount of people I talk to on the phone. So. I appreciate it. But uh, anything else you want to shout out to the listeners before we close her up? Hey, no, man. All, all I'm saying is that I'm, I'm not giving up on you. You still got time, Cody. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah. Waiting for, wait for you to slam that deer. I got time. I got to get out of this work deal. And then um, I got the weather now, but uh, I don't. Uh, we, need a, we need a few more days off of work and then see what happens. But I'm not giving up. I got time. I got time out there. Well, I hope you enjoyed the first episode of the Going Back to the Basics series. Hopefully one of these episodes you pick up one little tip, one little something someone says that'll help you kill that 2023 20, buck. That is the goal. 
Shout out to you. It's January. Most deer seasons are out, and you're still here listening all the way to the end of the podcast to absorb that whitetail knowledge and be the best you can be going into that 2023 deer season. Hopefully, like I said, there's something in this series that helps you and your game. That's the main goal, trying to help myself become a better hunter, help you guys become a better hunter. Appreciate you guys tuning in all the way to the end. Like always, love you guys. Um, would not do this podcast if you guys did not come in here and listen to it every week. Shout out to you guys. Um, like always, try to do the right thing. Try to leave a legacy, and Whitetail Legacy is out until we're coming in your ear holes next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central Time with the next Going Back to the Basics episode.